Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Um, it's great to be in the Lord's work and still to be able to open up His Word. I'm going to read from Ezekiel tonight. Uh, Ezekiel is probably the least read Bible book. It's a big, long book. There's a lot of chapters in it. And uh, it's a strange book. There are bits in it you really have problems with. But Ezekiel was a a wonderful man. I'll give you seven reasons before I read chapter one. I'll I'll give you seven reasons for, for reading Ezekiel. First of all, you should be a Bible rather than New Testament Christians. That's the first reason. Um, it's like breathing with one lung if you're just a New Testament Christian. God gave the Old Testament and the New like two lungs for us to breathe in his fine air of the Spirit. Secondly, um, you'll avoid embarrassment in heaven if you happen to bump into Ezekiel. <laughs> Have you read my book? <laughs> oh, I'm awful sorry. It was too long. It was too complicated and all that. If you bump into Ezekiel, I'll get him and say, right, come on. Sit down, Ezekiel, and explain to me chapter one, will you? <laughs> Thirdly, um, keep two wonderful truths in tension as you read Ezekiel. One is the supremacy and sovereignty of God. He had a big vision of God. And that's what we need. You know, um, there was a a Christian minister years ago called Willie Barclay. You ever heard of him? And Willie Barclay says, I'm tired of having my mind tickled. (laughs) That was one of his sayings. He said a lot of things that I don't agree with. But that was good. He said, I'm tired of having my mind tickled. I want a big view of God. Ezekiel had a big view of God. God's transcendence and sovereignty. And secondly, our responsibility. If you go through the book, God keeps addressing Ezekiel in the following manner. Son of man. Son of man do this, son of man do that. He keeps reminding him of his humanity before Almighty God. And that's a good thing to be reminded of. Fourthly, um, Ezekiel encourages us to seek spiritual solutions to human problems. And that's a good thing as well. The Lord led him to visions and revelations that took him higher out of his problems into the presence of God fifthly we should read Ezekiel because it satisfies your appetite for the unusual (laughs) an American scholar says Ezekiel um, was by no means a normal man (laughs) he was really an odd character what are you doing Ezekiel I'm lying on my side you know um, imitating the years of bondage and slavery what are you doing Ezekiel you know um, and he's doing all sorts of strange things and so if you have an appetite for the unusual Ezekiel's your man that's number five number six is marvel at a communicator who's way above the average bear in terms of communicating and he's got repeating phrases you know he's got uh, chapters 4 to 24 he gets a recurrent phrase you will know that I am the Lord you will know that I am the Lord and then chapters 25 to 32 they will know that I am the Lord 
and he turned his attention to other folk other than Ezekiel and then chapters 33 to 39 he says the nations will know that I am the Lord a tremendous uh, revelation of God by this great communicator and then number 7 is rejoice in a covenant with resurrection hope all around us I was listening to the news there are folk without hope I was listening to interviews uh, on the television news on, my, on Friday morning these folk that live in the multi-storey flats and they're scared to sleep at night loads of them thousands of them and there are folk all around us with other kinds of hopelessness and God in his wonderful mercy gives a revelation in the book of Ezekiel of a future and a hope for the people of God initially the Jews but also the Gentiles it's a wonderful book and so I would recommend you to have a read at Ezekiel um, here's what it says in the 30th year in the 4th month and the 5th day very precise guy isn't he uh, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God on the fifth of the month it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest the son of Buzi by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians there the hand of the Lord was upon him <coughs> I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light the center of the fire looked like glowing metal and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures in appearance their form was that of a man but each of them had four faces and four wings their legs were straight their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze under their wings on the four sides they had the, the, the hands of a man all four of them had faces and wings and their wings touched one another each one went straight ahead and they did not turn as they moved their faces looked like this each of the four had the face of a man and on the right side each had the face of a lion and on the left the face of an ox and also, each also had the face of an eagle such were their faces their wings were spread out up but each had two wings one touching the wing of another creature on either side and two wings covering its body each one went straight ahead Whenever the, wherever the spirit would go they would go without turning as they went the appearance of the living creatures were like burning coals of fire or like torches fire moved back and forth among the creatures it was bright and lightning flashed out of it the creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning as I looked at the living creatures I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces this was the appearance and structure of the wheels they sparkled like chrysolite and all four looked alike each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel as they moved they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced the wheels did not turn about as the creatures went their rims were high and awesome and all four rims were full of eyes all around when the living creatures moved 
the wheels beside them moved and when the living creatures rose from the ground the wheels also rose wherever the spirit would go they would go and the wheels would rise along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels when the creatures moved they also moved when the creatures stood still they stood still and when the creatures rose from the ground the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like an expanse sparkling like ice and awesome under the expanse their wings were stretched out one toward the other and each had two wings covering its body when the creatures moved I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters like the voice of the almighty like the tumult of an army when they stood still they lowered their wings then there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads as they stood with lowered wings above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire and that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds of, of a rainy day on a rainy day so was the radiance around him this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord it was three places removed from reality right from normality when I saw it I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking remarkable wonderful man Ezekiel um, he's one of the big three the, the prophets were categorized by the Jews when you read a Hebrew Bible you'll get the, the law, the prophets and the writings and the prophets are divided into two sections there's the major prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and then the, the, the twelve minor prophets <clears throat> they're not minor in terms of importance they're minor in terms of the, the length of the collection of their oracles um, but the big three are Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and uh, somebody defined the difference between Jeremiah and Ezekiel there are great similarities between the two but the difference one said uh, uh, Jeremiah is a prophet who happened to be a priest and Ezekiel is a priest who happened to be a prophet very strong priestly influences and sacrificial language in the book of Ezekiel that puts some folk off as well but uh, Ezekiel had a problem he had lots of problems he was a distressed prophet he wasn't living up to what a prophet should be in the Old Testament he used a lot of titles for a prophet he's a man of God he's a seer or a visionary he's either a roe or a chose a roe is somebody who sees things the verb to see is ra'a the verb to have visions is um, chaza um, and he's a visionary in other words he shares God's vision and God's perception of things um, and is not impressed by the human earthly worldly view of things he's impressed by his perception of God's view of things and God's word about things 
and then he's called a messenger in this book especially chapter 3 and chapter 18 I think especially he's a messenger and messengers were vital in the ancient world because you placed a messenger in a, a strategic spot to keep watch he was a watchman or a messenger to keep watch for the danger of any approaching enemies <clears throat> and uh, um, he had to live up to that if, if he fell asleep and, or he failed in his mission he was stoned to death so it was quite an important job to be a messenger or he was a servant of the Lord that's another description of the prophet and the whole problem was he was born, Ezekiel was born in a priestly family and when he was 30 years old he should have assumed the role of a fully fledged priest but he wasn't able to do that because he was away from home, he'd been dragged away with the exiles in 597 BC into exile to Babylon and that's one of his problems and then there's not only uh, a prophet who's, uh, who's distressed but a defeated nation because in those days the, the nation's fortunes were tied up with the nation's God and so whatever happened to the nation reflected the character of God I don't know if you've ever played Conkers, ever played Conkers? I used to go preaching to Dumfries Baptist I was moderator there 1972 into 1973 and there was a man there working in the Crichton Hospital in Dumfries and he took me in the grounds of the Crichton at the right time of year and we used to gather conkers for Finlay, our boy, you know got a big bag of horse chestnuts and we played conkers you ever played conkers? you put a string through it and you try to batter the, one of the other guy's conkers and if you smashed his, if your conquer smashed his conquer and your conquer, if, if yours, were, yours was a three and you'd knocked out three other conquers and his was, his was a four, then you became seven you were a seven, you know well, it was a bit like conquers in the ancient world um, if a nation was defeated in battle the nation who won their god was moved up the league of nations um, and the whole idea of the Jews being defeated in battle it meant that God was discredited where is your God? I thought he was looking after you they would ask, where is your God? and there was a disgraced community cataclysmic loss came to them because they believed in the inviolability of Jerusalem and in the inviolability of Jerusalem's temple and they said, no, no pagan nation will ever destroy Jerusalem or destroy its temple. And they put false hopes. They said, well, more or less their lives said, we can do what we like. God's going to look after us. And you get the, the temple sermon in Jeremiah chapter 7. He says, oh, you who say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They use it as a kind of shibboleth, a kind of slogan. God's going to destroy your temple. God's going to invade your city. God's going to take you into exile. And they just wouldn't believe it. It's a cataclysmic loss when they lost the land and the city. And it was a defiled land with a heartbroken people settled in it. And that was them. 
I'm trying to find the book of Psalms in here. Uh, <laughs> but the, the specimen psalm that's used for how miserable they were is Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. Um, <clears throat> For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a strange land, a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider you, O Jerusalem, my highest joy. They were utterly miserable. They were heartbroken and dejected. Would they ever get back to their land? They knew the international policy of these nations. Assyria practiced what we call ethnic cleansing. They used to take all the defeated nations and mix them all up so they could never regroup and rebel. And the Babylonians were similar. Um, they were heartbroken. They had a humiliating task as well. Um, one Old Testament scholar says they were used uh, to improve the agricultural yield of the land around Babylon to feed its citizens. So they were farm labourers, in effect. Professor F.F. F. Bruce says they were digging the irrigation canals for the great city of Babylon, connecting the two great rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. And so they were either farm labourers or ditch diggers. Another thing about it, they were prisoners of war. Because you read about them meeting together by the river Kibar and the elders of the Jews who seemed to be allowed to live together. Um, they were in a prisoner of war camp situation. Um, Professor F.F. F. Bruce says, and um, Ezekiel, although he, was, he acted very strangely at times, his house was where the, the elders met uh, of the Jews. It was no fun to be in a prisoner of war camp, a disgraced community. And an absentee, go, where is God? Where is God in all this, they would be asking. Um, John Bright in his history book of what Israel book says, um, Nebuchadnezzar's battering rams shattered um, their false theology. And there they were stuck there. Here's a priest without a sanctuary, a visionary without a vision, promise without fulfilment. And I once saw a slogan, when the outlook is grim, try the uplook. When the outlook is grim, try the uplook. When all you can see is a cloud, in the mercy of God look for a silver lining in the cloud. Well, here's the silver lining. The silver lining was God sent him Ezekiel as his spokesman. And he gives us these wonderful visions. First one's in chapter 1. Um, each figure, each description in this chapter, corrects a wrong view of God. I don't know how you visualised it as I was reading it. I've, I've got a cartoony mind, you know, I think of... As I'm reading, I think of, I've got a... What do you call it? A pictorial type of memory, which was very useful in the examinations, by the way. <laughs> but 
uh, I, I visualise a technicolour gyroscope is how I would describe it the, the vision of chapter 1 with all these things uh, whirling around and all the colours and the lights and uh, the whole movement there there's two, there's actually three great truths um, in visions in the vision in chapter 1 first of all God is not pinned down he's not pinned down um, he's, the chariot is versatile and mobile there's nothing static about it um, it shows that, that God is not pinned down um, there's direction here and the second thing is in verses seven, 15 to 17 God is not hemmed in there's a whole lot of folk today would, would hem us in I you Christians you know, they, would, they would hem us in and they would hem our God in but what they don't recognise is God is Lord of the whole universe He's, he's, he's here among us by his spirit he's always with us there was a, a group of Russian peasants meeting in the days of the communist dictatorships and they, they were rounded up because they were having a, a, a worship meeting and the man in charge said write all their names down I want all their names and he wrote down all their names and then some, one of the peasants chipped in he said you forgot somebody <laughs> and he said who have we forgotten he said the Lord Jesus Christ he was among us as we worshipped he's not hemmed in he's not pinned down, he's not hemmed in and he's not snuffed out the, the final part of the vision in chapter 1 is a way above it all what is there? a throne and a voice and a person enthroned and brilliant absolutely wonderful and in chapter 1 also we've got the four faces this is the first aspect of the forward looking nature of the book of Ezekiel it's a great book for visions and this is the first one and the visions the vision in chapter 1 has four faces do you notice that as we read through it and these faces are all anticipations of the Lord Jesus Christ you see the whole Bible is about Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord he fulfills all the titles given to God in the Old Testament God the Father he fulfills them I and the Father are one and he uses all these titles I am especially in the book of in the Gospel of John there's a link between these creatures in chapter 1 and the one who would come ultimately as God's Messiah the first picture would be the lion um, supremacy and sovereignty are the key thoughts here and the Lord Jesus Christ the one to come um, is the lion of the tribe of Judah he's the hoped for Messiah the anointed one and he's the king um, he's the Lord and he's a man, he's the Lord Jesus he will call his name Jesus and that speaks of intelligence and understanding expressed in his saviourhood on the cross and you, you would get the, the picture of the lions has been linked in art and sculpture 
with um, the Lord Jesus, the King. And the picture of the man's linked with the, the Lord Jesus in his humanity. And when you read the Gospels, the, no disciple ever addresses the Lord Jesus as son of man. And no religious leader ever calls him the son of man. Um, nobody who comes for help ever calls him the son of man. It's his self-chosen title in Mark's Gospel. Um, the son of man. Intelligence, understanding, wisdom are all wrapped up in him, and yet he's an ordinary human being, apparently. He's fully human and fully divine at the same time. So there's the lion and the man. The third picture here is of the ox. The ox speaks of service and sacrifice, and that's Luke's picture of the Lord Jesus, the servant of the Lord. Um, the ox and the lamb are traditionally the two creatures of service and is a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world it's, it's service and sacrifice are in Luke's gospel linked to the Lord Jesus and the, the fourth one the fourth image here is that of the eagle is about the lion, the man, the ox and the eagle and the, the eagle is the, the king of the birds that soars above the clouds and has a panoramic vision of everything underneath it and that's linked with John's gospel and John's gospel's like that I've told you this before it's like a drama where those who read the, the gospel are let in in the secret at the start John chapter 1 verses 1 to 14 tell us about the eternal logos of God who was with God in the beginning who was the, the, the kingpin of creation um, who, who was the one full of light uh, um, the one the darkness could not put out and then uh, you learn that the word became flesh the logos became the word of God became flesh and camped among us that's the, the one of the meanings of the Greek word he camped, he, he tented among us like the tabernacle tented in the Old Testament he camped among us and we gazed at his glory the ideas of contemplation we gazed at his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth uh, Shakespeare's plays actually uh, have a parallel because in Shakespeare's plays you get a soliloquy and the soliloquy brings the audience in on the plot and the soliloquy is then acted out as the play proceeds you know and uh, if I can remember <laughs> 1954 Henry IV part 1 Postal School uh, I know you all and will a while uphold the unyoked humour of your idleness this is King Hal but <clears throat> herein will I imitate the sun which doth permit the base contagious clouds to smother up his glory from the world um, his reformation shining over, over his fault like some bright jewel in a sullen ground as that which hath no foil to set it off he says I'm a bad boy the now but I'm going to be a good boy and I'll shine when I'm a good boy when he becomes Henry V in a further play <laughs> later on but the action is anticipated in the soliloquy well John 1, 1 to 14 is like the soliloquy and then you've got the action here's this peasant teacher of Galilee who's wrapped up with individuals 
the woman at the well, Nicodemus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. You know, his whole life is in the, in the thick of human companionship. And this peasant teacher of Galilee, we know because we were in at the introduction, verses 1 to 14, he's not just a peasant teacher of Galilee, he's a Logos made flesh who camped among us. The whole story is wonderful. Two, uh, four wonderful pictures of the Lord Jesus anticipated in chapter 1 of Ezekiel. And uh, the four faces. And the whole thing's anticipated. Um, next week I'll, uh, I'll go on and we'll talk about two of the visions of the future. Um, but to anticipate it, it's a bit like... You remember singing a song... Uh, well, maybe you didn't sing songs like this. You would all sing hymns and choruses. But there used to be a song, What Will We Do With The Drunken Sailor? What shall we do with it? Well, what's God going to do with this drunken sailor called Israel? This hopeless Lord who have rejected his, his messages for hundreds of years, who's, who's degraded their, their, the ministry that God gave them. They were meant to be a saving people, and they thought they were a saved people. A lot of Christians are that as well. They forget they're meant to be a saving people. This church doesn't work like that, I'm happy to say. <laughs> We're a saving people, not just a saved people. And uh, what will we do? What will we do with drunken sailor? Well, to anticipate next week a wee bit, God says, here's what we'll do. We'll give them a new shepherd. Chapter 34. And he says, I'll shepherd them. And then you get to John 10, and the Lord Jesus says, I am the shepherd. The shepherd, the good one. It's not just the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, the good one, the genuine one, the authentic shepherd. There are false shepherds about, and there are stacks of false shepherds about still. I am the authentic shepherd. So God's going to give them a new shepherd, a new judgment, because God's not only the God of love and mercy, He's also the God of judgment. I mean, you see some of the stuff going on now in our society. What do you say? You say, oh Lord, come. Don't you? Lord, intervene. Lord, do something about a society where a mother can get a pal to join her in beating the baby to death. That's our society. That's the kind of society we're living in. And we long for God to come and intervene and do something about all this stuff that's going on all around us. He says, I'll give you, I'll give you a new shepherd, I'll give you a new judgment. And chapter 36, I'll give you a new covenant. And he repeats a whole lot of the stuff in Ezekiel 36 is repeated in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 following. As if God's emphasizing it by repeating it. I'll give you a new covenant. I'm going to wash you and make you clean. There's going to be outer cleansing. And I'm going to cleanse you from all your guilt. Inner cleansing as well. That God is going to do that. There are two, two kinds of sin in the Old Testament. There's a... A one bishagah. A one bishagah is sin of ignorance, weakness or error. And um, that's the sins covered in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament 
But there's another kind of sin in the Old Testament. It's called a one begad which means sin of the of the raised up hand, sin of defiance, where you shake your fist in God's face. And that's what folk are doing today. They're shaking their fist in God's face. We'll not have this man to rule over us. You Christians, shut up. You've nothing to say and all that kind of stuff. Um, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm going to take away your heart of stone that does such awful things as we read about in our newspapers every day. And I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart of compassion, a heart of mercy and of service. And I'll change it. Search for change is endemic. And, and God works. God works. And he's going to give us a new shepherd. In Christ he's given us a new shepherd. There's a new judgment coming. There's a new covenant. Which those of us who know God in Christ have an inner assurance. That's the glory of the Protestant Reformation. An inner assurance that we belong to God. And that we are in his hand. And then chapter 37 to finish. A new vitality. He's a big, a big valley. Ezekiel sees a valley full of the bleached bones of the defeated lion there. Not just corpses. Bleached bones. Utterly without hope. And in the New Testament, uh, Paul talks about it beautifully. In uh, Colossians, uh, Philippians, Ephesians 2. He says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were uh, by nature objects of wrath. And then there's a wonderful phrase in uh, King James that says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love for with you loved us, has made us alive in Christ. He's given us new life. The bleached bones have taken on sinews and flesh and skin. And then, in the mercy of God, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's put a new spirit within us. The Spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit makes the Lord Jesus more real to us every day. What a wonderful hope. So if you come back next week for the next thrilling episode, um, we'll look at chapters 36 and 37. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful word. And we thank you for servants like Ezekiel, who in the midst of dark situations brought the perspective of God on things. Help us, Lord, in these days not to lose heart, not to despair, but to find our hope is in the Lord in every circumstance. Let us prove it, O Lord, this week. For Jesus' sake. Amen.